Welcome to Mastering Music. My name is Petronella Turin and today I am offering you a little trip to a little, little, little town called Mersilev. We are going to Mersilev because there lies a beautiful violin atelier. And Mersilev is like very close to Antwerpen, the city of diamonds, in Belgium. And this violin atelier is the atelier of Anton Sommers, who is a violin and luthier and that means that he makes instruments. He's making violin instruments, so violin, cello, viola, you name it. He's making this kind of beautiful instrument, from a piece of wood to an instrument that sings beautiful. So we are gonna go there and we are gonna ask him what he thinks that we as an instrument at least can think about when we take care of our instrument because I think that we can be a little bit better at taking care of our instruments. We'll see what he says anyway. And then I want to ask him what makes a good instrument and how he makes a beautiful instrument and what his tricks is and his tips. And we can learn everything about making an instrument or maybe not everything because I think it takes a long time to learn. But a little bit at least. A little sneak peek into the world of violin making. And for me, it's a really, really exciting moment because for me, going to a little year, I always get this feeling like if you ever read Harry Potter books, when Harry Potter walks into the shop of Ollivander to buy his wand, that's exactly how I feel when I enter a little year. It's like, oh, is this cello gonna shoot me or not? <laughs> it's always the feeling. Maybe it's something magical with making an instrument because it's a living material, so you never know how it's gonna turn out. Anyway, Anton is not only making instruments, he's also teaching people how to make instruments because his passion for wood is really, really big. So he's a teacher at the Violin Making School of Antwerpen. It's called ILSA. So if you want to learn how to become a violin maker, that's a good school maybe for you. We also have a little sneak peek now before we start the interview. So we are going to listen to one of his instruments actually, because there is a cellist called Wojciech Fuidala, who maybe you know him from the Elisabeth Concours in uh, Brussels. He's been participated there. So we're going to listen to him when he plays Antonio Dvořák's beautiful rondo. And we like to add that this is a live recording. Enjoy!
Attention! Please note that this episode has compromised quality due to technical difficulties. Welcome to Master Music, Anton Sommers. Hi, hello. Uh, we are in Belgium, in Antwerpen this time, so actually you are the ones who should welcome me. So <laughs> at your house. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, yeah, You're in my workshop in Melsele. Yeah. It's uh, close to Antwerp. Yeah. So, um. It's uh, very nice here. It smells very nice. The smell is really like woody and oily. I really like it. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's it's something I always hear from people who are entering in the workshop. It's uh, it's a spe- it's a special smell, something you only can smell in the I think in violin makers workshops or or luthier workshops. Um, it's wood, it's oil, it's um, it's varnish. Um, yeah, it's typical, I think. So it's wood and oil and tools. Yes, yes. Yeah, in the So it's very um, yeah, it's very cozy and I see that you have some hunting trophies here on the wall. Yeah, it's true. It's um I'm I'm a hunter too. It's a, it's a different passion of my of mine. Um it's something I do in my free time and uh, yeah, I love it. In Belgium? Yes, in Belgium or in uh, in other countries. Yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes. Sweden? No, never been in Sweden. <laughs> it's um, yeah, maybe it's on my on my list, but uh, I don't know. To hunt a moose, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it's big, but uh, a lot of meat, yeah. We you also. like to eat the meat when you kill them? Or? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's it's the main reason, actually. It's not I'm not hunting for killing the animal. Uh, animal. It uh, it's part of, of hunting, of course. But it's uh, the nicest thing is, is to sit together and, and eat uh, something you you've, you've you've shot, yeah. Yeah. Do you also fish then? Yes, I fished a lot. Now uh, less because you have to make choices, you know. <laughs> it's uh, there's oh uh, yeah, it's it depends on the time you have. But yeah. What is the biggest fish you took? Well, my biggest one was actually was a pike. It was uh, an, a pike of one meter and ten centimeters. Wow, super big! It was a really big one, and I caught it in. It was only in twenty centimeters of water. What? Crazy, yeah. So you could take it with your hand. Well, I didn't saw it, but it was in muddy water, and I, I came from my fishing fishing trip, and um, I saw a small creek, and I said, like, yeah, let's try here. You never know. I, I throwed my uh, my line in, and it was like in one second, bah! Oh. Yeah, really big. Yeah. Nice. So it was a really smart trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to the like where is lower. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's really oh, tasty. I love to eat fish, and when I lived in Denmark, you could get like daily catched salmon. Yeah, yeah. So amazing. Yeah, I think for, so. Yeah. Like, Ten euros for a whole salmon. Yeah, yeah, that's and fine. It's <laughs> when you can eat fresh food. I think it's it's the best. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. So you have a big fridge, I guess. Well, I have a fridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With other stuff, it's really. I mean, I was in Africa now on vacation, and we also ate a lot of wild meat. Okay. Like we eat a lot of wild meat. Yeah, here. yeah. And it was so tasty. Like, I was dying the gourmet that's... Uh, it was just plain meat. Okay. It so and it was fresh. Yeah, yeah. Really oh, wow. fresh, like hun- yeah. hunting uh, wow. game uh, meat. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. Bush meat. Uh, yeah, yeah, like oryx, or- 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 it was called... Uh, ah, the oryx, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the national animal of yeah. Namibia. Yeah. Uh, so, wow, I was... Uh, so tasty. I mean, probably should eat less uh, meat now for the environment, like all the movements in Sweden are like, oh, you should not eat it. Oh. Yes, that's true. I think that's true, but it, it doesn't count for, for, uh, for wild meat, I think. No. Yeah. I mean, some animals need to... Yeah, and what we do is very responsible. It, I, I yeah. think I hunt in a responsible way, so yeah. I think it's more responsible than, than uh, farming animals. Yeah, actually I'm really good at shooting and, and aiming. Like, oh, really? With like... Um, 
we were on a bachelorette party. Yeah, yeah. And when you like shoot, uh, you don't shoot really animals, but like this, um, I don't know what you call them, pot dogs or... Yeah, the clay pigeons. Yeah, clay pigeons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm really good at Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's something we, I, I see a lot. Eh? It's a lot of women, actually. They, they shoot very well. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's maybe the... Yeah. like the precision of technique. I think so, yeah. And yeah. like luring and like staying and waiting for the plane. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of men are too excited or too... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to have it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, could be, yeah. How much fun. So, um, how did it start with the violins, uh, the violin love, the wood, the wood love? I mean, how do you, how did you start with all this, you know? Well, I think it's, it's been always been there. It's, um, it's, I started working with wood when I was very young from the, yeah, from what I know, yeah, when when I was five, six years, I got a um, Christmas presents and it was something to make in wood. And my a big inspiration yeah. of me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My my one of my first things I got from my grandfather was a, was a toolbox oh. full of tools that he made and a hammer and uh, and nails and and something to to make. And he really was a big inspiration for me. He was a he was not a professional woodworker. I, he was professional, but not as a profession and uh, but he made a lot of stuff he had a nice workshop and uh, I really looked up to him and I think that's where it started he helped me sometimes and then he died too soon for me mm-hmm. but but yeah the inspiration was there and I uh, from there it started I always was working with wood all my life and then when I had to choose to to what I want to do what I want to study mm-hmm. of course I, cho- I chose to um, woodworking and it was cabinet making uh, from the from when I was 13 years old I think yeah first grade of mm-hmm. high school oh. yeah this I've done my whole five years uh, of cabinet making and then I was thinking like oh I I did a, I did an internship and I was thinking like ah oh, this I don't know it's it's a bit rough and I I know I can do some finer things with wood and there was I, I, there was a desire to do more um, detailed things in wood so I would start searching and and for me it wasn't clear even the year before like oh I want to be a violin maker it was something that came up uh, I actually my mother she she came up with it she she said like oh there's a there's a school in in Belgium you can study violin making there let's go there and see uh, there's an open day and uh, I went there and I, I came in the workshop and it was the same like the smell the, the wood the oil I was like oh really this is this is what I want to do. This is something uh, that's for me. And then I started studying it. Uh, it was it went really well. Um, yeah, and that's how the ball got. How, do got. You, how many years do you study to become a violin maker? Well, I think I hope it never stops. <laughs> but uh, in school, there, there was it was three years of education, and then I got uh, to work in uh, in a workshop in Brussels, where of course you learn more and more and and i think every every day i learn is it like uh, do you have an official like you have to go for an internship like uh, you know like doctors do they go and become no it, I, uh, it's not just because of your own interest yeah it's of your own interest and it's just because you cannot learn just all, all of the violin making in in three years in school you have to go to a, a workshop to a, to an atelier of, of somebody to learn more and to what do you learn in the school is it like theory 
about the woods, like natural behavior or yes. kind of subject? Yes, all, all of them actually. Um, of course, you have the you have the practical uh, course, you have making making the instruments, and then you have the te theory about it, uh, all the products, also the machines, the, how you how you use the tools, how do you make your own tools, these this kind of stuff, and um, yeah, it, actually. It, violin making is it never stops mm -hmm. there's so much going on in violin making you can go so far into into details that you discover new new ways of uh, or new new areas to 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 discover i don't know yeah develop. yeah to develop it's um i mean also because you work with like a living uh, material like wood is alive yes. actually yeah so it changes yeah it's it's it, it changes all the time and uh, but this is also one of the one of the most important things in violin making is it is a, a living thing actually where wood is is it's always different. It's even in the same tree. You you have dozens of, of pieces of wood we can use for for dozens of instruments, but they're not all the same because they're coming out of the same tree. You 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 have to feel how the wood is. You have to. Today we can measure the wood. We uh, measure speed of sound, uh, density. Um, Which kind of tree is like the best tree? Like well, traditionally, um, it's always been the maple maple tree for back sides and and neck and scroll, and then the the front is spruce. Mm -hmm. This is was always been like this in, in violin making. Oh, like, why did they do it? Is it because it's well, the best option? Yeah, I think so. It's it just it it has everything what what it takes to to have a good instrument. Mm -hmm. um, of course, there are there were uh, a lot of experiments, and you still see them today. People using different woods, and but there must be a reason that after 300, 350 years, yeah. we're still using this. It's it's just it's the best choice. And for cello or viola, um, you can use uh, willow too or other other types of woods which are traditionally used this works also but yeah it's not a lot of choice not like guitar making guitar makers are using a whole bunch of woods yeah what they can find what they can find yeah <laughs> i think so yeah and, i mean i think it's so amazing because uh, before you take the, the wood it's like been a tree for like maybe 200 or 100 years or yeah or, or a lot more yeah is it better when they are older the tree or is well we need we need we need a certain width of the of the of the tree the tree has to be big so so there is there is an age that the tree has yeah minimum i think it's 200 or 250 yeah. 50 years yeah so actually we can add that to our instruments age already yeah 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 and today there is actually something uh, crazy going on we have uh, dendrochronology mm -hmm. it's a, it's a science it's a, the science of dating a piece of wood and and how it's done it's a different story but but you literally can see like this growing and this piece of wood comes from 1350 <laughs> so it's crazy yeah you can and i mean there are some myths about the like the wood that the stradivarius has like the stradivarius is a famous uh, instruments that everyone there's very expensive instruments but they say that the wood was like in water or something like is that all this kind of yeah so all this kind of uh, yeah people are searching <laughs> what do you say about that well like if it would so if it would be possible i would like to have my my wood actually in the water but today we, we, I think we um, harvest our woods uh, on a, in a different way than it, than it was, and also they cut it and then it has to be they sell it. So and I think in the past there was a, a custom of chopping the woods, or cutting the wood down, and then they water it, and it's it's something uh, which which they always done, and it's to the sugars inside the wood they get flushed out. It's something I don't know exactly what's happened, but I can imagine that this 
changes the the, the property of, of of the wood somehow yeah so it is some truth in the myths yeah, some some myths there. There are truth. of course there's a, a whole bunch of <laughs> of myths myths which, which are really ridiculous. But yeah. but this is one this is one thing I actually I I, I believe it's it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like uh, a magical with the instruments. Like people always put all these kind of myths around it because I think people in general don't know so much about. Yes, and well, you you have this, and you also have I think all the myths around the Cremonese instruments and around especially Stradivari. It's, it develops, you, you see it developing the moment when the instruments are being, uh, when people start dealing with these instruments. So you have those dealers who have to make profit out of these instruments and they come up with, with crazy stories. And, and also music, musicians, they, they, they have this uh, expensive instrument and they always were expensive. So it's just something natural which which is happening it's uh, people are making stories the the legend grows and then there's no ending to this i really love that they i, I mean some of it you can prove like i read this book called the shallow history and it was like uh, it told the story about like which stradivarius that napoleon made us scratch in because he was angry at yes like he tried to he saw a concert with i think beethoven yeah and then uh, he said, oh, that looks so easy. I can also play the cello. And then he tried and he couldn't play it as well. So <laughs> then he made a scratch in it. It's like super cool, like all these stories. And also like all the cellists that actually had the Stradivarius. I think it's more cool. Yes, I mean, yes, it's that's crazy. It's really cool that yeah. all these very good cellos yeah. went through all the good masters who made a different That's order. That's actually what, what gives me goosebumps is when I when I have my, these instruments in my hands is of course the instrument is beautiful and, and I look at it as a, as a, as a, as a luthier and I see like, oh, this is like this and, and this, but then you start thinking like, okay, this cello or this violin is being played by this, this, this legendary uh, musician and it's, and not even today, but 200 years ago. And, and that's really, that's, that's ridiculous. And I think, I think that's, that's also the reason why when somebody gets a Stradivari sponsored by, by a mecenas or something, of course you have to take it because it's, it's so, so it's, you cannot explain, like, can you think you, you play on this instrument where all these big musicians were playing on it? It's a, it's an honor. It's, it's, yeah. I, I have, a, uh, it's not a friend, but a person that I know who has a Stradivarius. He's called uh, Andreas Brantelit. He's okay. half Danish, half Swedish. Yeah. And he got that Stradivarius. This is like something that someone told me. Maybe it's not true. But he said uh, he got it from Trusmerk. Yeah. Trusmerk didn't want that cello because he wants his own cello. Because okay. Yeah, but he also has a very nice cello if it is yeah. the Montagnana. Yeah. yeah. And he really likes it because his cello is really hard to play on. Uh -huh. my, my teacher, he tried to play on it and he said it's so hard to play on yes. it. Not play on yes. It. Uh, so, I mean, it's also uh, depends on the person playing it. But there is one person who said no to but it was not one of the most historical no of course yeah yeah but and they have a they, they have another choice yeah. which it's is, not is uh, it's not a bad choice no <laughs> to be honest but um, i mean it's lovely this meets around it and i mean every time there's a stud voice in the room you're like ah, you know it's yes yeah times. do you think someone would feel like that about your shallows in well i hope so yeah yeah that's that's what i'm i'm aiming for yeah yeah, yeah that's um, i'm dreaming of yeah it's something really it's a goal yeah well there is my label inside and there is another mark but um yeah yeah and uh, of course what's more important is that people would recognize without a label even yeah. that's something where i'm really working on is it's a personal style and it's uh, my my own model so it's not a copy mm 
it's my own model. So this is very important to me. Is 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 this a distinctive uh, style? Yeah. What is the recipe for your model? What do you uh, want to create? Yeah, a very good instrument. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> what, well, what is a good instrument? It's um, for cellos. For uh, I, I like for a cello it, that it's for my my personal taste it's it's not really it's not big like a montagnana but it's quite wide in the middle mm-hmm. i think that's very that's very important in my concept of making is is the middle that it's wide so i can put the sound holes uh, a bit wider apart yeah this is the main thing in in my con- concept of my model and then of course you have the the, the choice of wood you have light wood heavy wood uh, you have thicknesses which you are using mm-hmm. this all ma- makes your uh, makes your style yeah so if someone comes to say anton make me a shallow what do you do well it depends I, I what i don't what i don't do is if somebody comes to me and say like oh i want to have a cello and uh, give uh, make me a stradivari model it's something well of course i i should i will consider it because it, it is a, it is a job but i will try to to sell him my model it's i i think if people come to me to order uh, an instrument they already have have trust in my work so and normally they know my 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 cellos they they know the model they played on it or they they saw so they saw a cello from from somebody else uh, so I, I would say like yeah what i so the model yeah this is my model they like it what they can do is, is uh, choose the wood. Uh, of course, everybody has, has a taste in wood, is uh, big flames, smaller flames. But there is, I don't like to make a lot of compromises because there is this style, which is my personality. So, yeah, I don't make the too much compromises. And then how long does it take before, like from they say, make me a shallow to... It it depends. It depends on on how much work I I still have to do. It can be done in in half year. Can be one year. Yeah. What or, is the longest time it took? Well, probably uh, one year, a bit more than one year. Does it take uh, longer? But it's not that I'm working one year on the instrument. It's because I have to do uh, yeah. some other instruments too. Oh, yeah. Yes. Do the instrument also need time when it's uh, in the making, like between the processes? Or? Uh, sometimes you have some things has has to dry in the in the like glue has to dry. Or, or varnish has to dry. And uh, like for the colors, I mean, you can make it bright and you can make it darker than the shadows. Like yes, uh, this is this is actually a, a very big thing in 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 the making. It's is the varnishing. It's something I'm I'm I really love to do. It's also something I I make my own varnish. I make my own pigments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a whole science behind it. It's it's. Is it's you have on the Facebook, no? Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Can, make, you can go and see the secret recipe. <laughs> well, yeah, you see, actually, I, I show a lot. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, a lot of my colleagues are saying like, oh, what, what do you show to the people? Like, it, it's so a lot of people like to keep things secret. But yeah, I don't, I don't care. I think it's, it's it nice to share and learn from each other. To yeah, I think so. The I think so. Yeah, it's, it's something the last 10 years, you, it's, it's, it's booming. It's the, the sharing of, of information. You can also, you can see it in the work of people too yeah you see young makers uh, just coming out of school with a varnish or, or with work like mm-hmm. what i i could not dream to to have it when i when i started mm-hmm. when i when i came out of school i, I didn't know what what a, a classic oil varnish was or, or what what the recipe was it's mm-hmm. it's something uh, which was still a secret then yeah 
So how is it also like the thickness of the uh, like garnishing, or is it always the same thickness? Or of the varnish, you mean? Does it like varies? Yeah, it varies. I like on my cellos. I like to put a a, a, th a thicker coat just because the cello uh, gets more abused. Abused. <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> word. And 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 it's also it's a bigger instrument, so yeah, it, it goes together. Uh, also, the darker the color, most of the time, the thicker the varnishes, mm -hmm. uh, because you need those, this thickness to build up the color. That's uh, that's really nice. I think my shadow is quite yellow. It's more at the bright yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, is it like a little gar garnish then, like small garnish, or is it just less colored? Could be. I, I should see your cello. <laughs> Maybe later we can we can <laughs> we can have a look. My cello, no one also made it. Ah, okay. Wow. Maybe. Uh... <laughs> okay. Because it makes it more expensive when someone. Yeah. When you know who made it. Yeah, when you can uh, put a name on it. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, like those cellos we call it sleepers. 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 Yeah, you see on on auctions you have those ah. sleepers and uh, everybody thinks like maybe it's this, but nobody yeah. uh, ever said like or, or there's no certificate with it. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. My shadow is super weird. You will ah, okay. <laughs> horrify. It has really small f holes, uh -huh. and then it's a little bit like uh, time had its uh, go with it. Okay. But it works perfect, you know. Yeah. It works really good, but it's not healthy, I think. Okay. But at some point, maybe I will do something. But it's also hard when it's like it's around two hundred years old. So yeah. You don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess with the old lady. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like, yes. Here. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But you also restore all the instruments. Yes, it's something. It's it's something I do. It's not my um, my focus point in this workshop, but yeah, of course, sometimes I take on um, a restoration job. Like solving problems and like. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's really nice. I like it when it's when I like the instrument, yeah. um, and that's actually the reason why I I choose to to not focusing me on the on the on the restoration, because I noticed that personally. I should work on a lot of instruments which, which I don't like, mm. just because it's 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 your it's what you do, yeah. and yeah. Today I have the luxury to to just make new instruments, and yeah. that's that's what I choose for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, when I talk about uh, cello playing, I always talk about uh, that you need three things: that you need uh, personality, and you need to be an artist. So that's like artistry personality yeah. there, and then you have like uh, you have to be a craftsmanship. So you yeah. have to have a craftsmanship, like a technique, and, all. Yeah, yeah. and then you have to have the human factor. And if you have this three, trinity, yeah. you're a good challenge. Yeah. That's what yeah, yeah. I say to my students at least. Uh, and I feel that it's a little bit the same with um, being an instrument maker, but I would like to add maybe that you're also affected about nature. Because nature's uh, role is like playing into your work, yes. with humidity. Yeah, it's true. It's um, I can follow this. and. I think these things they are they are right if you are violin maker with your your own workshop. <laughs> there is a big difference in working for somebody in a workshop and and having your own workshop and making your own instruments or making somebody else's instruments. Uh, because if some people cannot work for somebody else because they are too creative and they, they get annoyed by somebody who tells like make the corner like this or I, I would like to see it like this and it's not working for everybody. So um, I've, I've done it 10 years and, and I can, now I can do my, my own things. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What do you think is like, what elements do you have to have if you want to be an instrument maker? I think you have to be, oh, I'm searching for the word, 
you need you need to have a lot of interests in a lot of thing, different things because we have the woodworking we have the varnishing we have the tools we, and then when you have your own workshop you have the business yeah. you have to the selling you have the musicians which is are very important you have the you have to learn how to how to act with people with different kinds of people um, because when they come in for a for a reglage for a sound adjustment it's um, most of the time this is the, something in the mind it's uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. most a sound adjustment is something you have to comfort the the musician you know it's it, yeah. if i would say mm, yeah i don't yeah, i'm not sure actually when you're not sure yourself you will not be happy again so it, it's all this whole this whole relation with your musician which is very important so different interests that's that's one of the things you need to have um, and then of course you need to be handy it's 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 one of the main things it's it's you need to be super in what you do you have to have to be able to control your tool, tools with a precision unbelievable i can say it's something what i say to my students too it's when they ask me when they see an instrument of me and they say like oh like this inlay runs like this or or uh, the the arching is uh, why is it like this and sometimes they they ask was this a attendant like was it does it look was it on purpose does it look like like you want and I can proudly say to my students and to everybody, like everything you see on my instruments is being on purpose. It's, it's, I, I control it 100%. So this is very important. It, I cannot imagine that you have to make something and some things just happen. It would not work. It's it's the it, yeah. Then 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 you 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 are not able to I think to produce um, a steady outcome of instruments. Yeah. Then sometimes you will have a good instrument and sometimes I will have a bad. But yeah. we don't have this luxury. No. It always has to be a good instrument. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. you don't sell it. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course you have the personal choice of the musician. Could be that it's not working for this musician, but for another one. It, it it will be per perfect. I imagine that it's also like when you buy a new shallow, people are always more like restricted because it's like a new instrument and they don't know how it's gonna... Because there is like a little teenager uh, period for shallow yeah when they are new that you yeah. have to play in yeah. Yeah. and stuff you can like embrace a little bit of the finished product but <laughs> it's still a teenager yes or, yeah yeah it's uh, no it's 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 true it's when you buy a new instrument actually it's you have to be 100% behind the instrument when you because you're going together on an adventure mm -hmm. it's uh, always think that i think that that a, a new instrument from the first minute you put the strings on the quality is there i immediately uh, recognize it you play on it it responds it gives uh, a nice voice it, it it you know it immediately but then of course it's developing in my opinion it's not developing like sometimes you hear it like a bad instrument when people say like yeah yeah play it a lot and uh, it will uh, become open and it will i never experienced it actually like a bad instrument stays bad yeah it's if you don't uh, change uh, things on it and do you think it it also is like depending on who is playing on the cello yes because, yeah yeah it's very important like like you said earlier like uh, a cello of, of uh, the montagnana which was very hard to play mm -hmm. yeah but a good musician can handle it yeah. and probably can handle it very well and then is, a, is able to produce uh, sounds which are uh, yeah amazing because they always like i bought some new instruments when i was younger because you buy like these chinese versions and you play on them 
and mine always uh, turned out to be quite big sounded. Uh-huh. But every shell I play on is quite big sounded because I have a big. Yes, voila. Because my physics uh, allow me to have that. Yeah. Because I have a big arm and, and stuff. So I was thinking that maybe I am making my shallow more. Yeah. Like myself, because I mean, we are together a lot of hours every day. Yes, of course. And, and it's true. It's true. That's what I say. You go on an adventure together and you learn to know the cello. And that's why it will sound better in time because you know how to handle the cello. And uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things. And the developing is there. And then, of course, you have the sound adjustment of a new instrument, which is very important. It's it's I personally, I give my instruments a lifetime free adjustment, sound adjustment. They can always come in here and, 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 and I do it sound adjustment because I think it's so important that it is every time, every yeah always it's it's optimal it's it's it sounds the best that it can be yeah and it's always changing like with the temperature like i always have to yeah. go, like once every year to because everything moved yeah yeah <laughs> Just with the seasons it's yeah. it's yeah it's clear when the when the weather's changing you can see it on the musicians who go <laughs> drop in here yeah. it's uh yeah, yeah. and it's, uh, it's like a matter of millimeters Yes. One millimeter, and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, yeah, of like, course. Yeah. Either different from having a good A string or not. Yes. A yes. C string or not, and the sound pin. I I was very lucky that sometimes when I uh, was a student because my first lesson with the solos list of Malmö Symphonic, uh, my teacher when I was a bachelor, he actually was moving the stable. Okay. The, the sound pin just dropped. <laughs> Yes. It was the first lesson with him, and it was so embarrassing. For <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> then he was like you know, trying to start. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then he messed it up. So we had, well, of course, he's a solo solist, so he could always like call up the. Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made me a very uh, fast recover. Yeah. But it's all sensitive. Like it's also why I'm so afraid to touch my shell. I'm like. You know, like really. Yeah, and it's. Every time I have to change the things, I'm like sweating and like nervous enough. Well, so somebody should teach you actually, because what what I do to the two musicians who come here actually is is to get them comfortable with this, because I think it's it's very nice to get, be comfortable to change a string and and know where the where the bridge should be when and and when it's not there, I can show you how to mm-hmm. how to manage how to to manage the bridge actually yeah. on a safe way. Really? Uh, yes. <laughs> so do you have like some? tips for musicians uh, beginning class yeah uh, well keep your instrument clean that's yeah clean i i see it so many times that the instrument is completely dirty covered with rosin mm-hmm. um of course on a chinese instrument it doesn't matter so much but on a, on a high class instrument in time it's it's really damaging the varnish it sticks to the varnish uh, some people are polishing mm-hmm. it in the varnish so what should they polish it with what is the best to clean the shell? Well, just, just the musicians just with the dry clothes. Every time you play, just take take a, a cloth and and wipe off the dust. Okay. That's that's the thing. And let the the real cleaning let it done by a professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if when you do every day, just a, a wipe with your with your with your cloth, it's 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 but okay. It's, uh, I had a teacher, another teacher, <laughs> Ursula Smith in London, <laughs> and she was um, her instrument maker told her not to clean it. Because she said, no, come to me and I will clean it. But maybe... Yeah, it's just, that's why I say with the dry cloth. Yeah. Because some people, when you say, yeah, you can clean it, they start buying these products, which you can which you can buy. And some of them are good. And, and But the thing is, you never know what kind of varnish is on your instrument. And you don't know how it would react with your with the product you buy. And mm-hmm. and it's so dangerous. You can you see horrible, horrible things happening with, with these kind of products. Yeah. Okay, so clean it with a little cloth after every time we play. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Also the strings, you think? Yeah, yeah, I think. 
think that's a good thing. Just wipe off the, the resin of the strings, yeah. And the board where we have our fingers, it gets also dirty. Yeah, and this is more difficult to to get to because you have the strings on top. Well, I would say just with the dry cloth, go in between the strings and the, and the fingerboard, that's it. And and what's, what stays on there, that's for the violin maker. Yeah. Clean your hands before you play. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some friends, they put all the hand creams and stuff before they Ah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you see a lot of, and you see uh, <laughs> glitters inside, yeah. uh, well, sticking onto the varnish oh. and, and yeah, you see everything. Yeah. They're glamorous. Like, yeah, gl yeah. <laughs> okay, do you have uh, another one for us? Like putting on the strings, you should always like twist them. Yes, right? yes. The putting on the strings is, is yeah. You see a whole different types of of things you do. I think there is a certain way how I do it, and it's the main the the, the thing is actually you cross the, the the strings once. I cross it once, so it it gets tight. Even it cannot slip anymore. That's that's the thing, and it's a trick. First, I go to the inside, and I go to the outside, and and I can show it on a video, yeah. but. <laughs> That's one thing, and then we uh, use like a pen to put it like in the yeah. right. Or like, do you have Krita, or what do you use for for the string to slide, or yeah, like uh, yeah, there. yeah. So on the on the top bridge, you what you can do is actually just soap. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the the least um, dirty. You can do a pencil. Mm -hmm. Well, everybody has pencils, but this gives mm -hmm. black. It's mm -hmm. it's black, so I don't like it too much. Just a, a piece, a hard piece of soap, mm -hmm. not perfumed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it doesn't matter too much, but and just a little bit, just a little bit inside inside the the groove you see there, and the string will slide, and and you can do the same on the on the on the bridge, mm -hmm. is uh, just the same when you are switching the strings, is uh, do a little bit of soap inside the groove, and and that's it. And when you clean the strings, like I heard that you can like use uh, alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Like you can, but when you do this, mm -hmm. do it not on, when the string is on the instrument, because no. one drop of alcohol can ruin the no alcohol. No alcohol oh, yeah <laughs> yes uh, so that's the one yeah. i saw some picture with like uh, from the old days when they were like smoking and playing the show yeah yeah you, you, you see on even on stradivarius you see burn marks or you see you see alcohol marks yeah, yeah. don't do that <laughs> uh, other things like humidity when, like well use use please use a humidifier like these these um, tube like, things yeah. uh, i forgot the name it's like another thing that you put in the hole yeah in the sound hole in the bottom hole and it's it's very good on in in winter period for sure it's um, when it's very dry it it can well it it can keep your instrument let's say together it's sometimes a, like a cello for sure they they, they can uh, pop open mm -hmm. which is not dangerous it's natural we make it the way this way that it's mm -hmm. that it springs open but um, with a humid humidifier you can avoid it yeah. and you avoid a trip to the... So it's the basis in the orchestra. Yeah. All the winters like... Yeah, yeah. You hear like... Yeah, it's a big piece of wood. So yeah, yeah that's the main thing. So yeah, do it. And they can, I heard this tip. I'm going to test it on you. Like sometimes you can put the shallow case in the shower. No, no not in the shower, but like in the room. Where you in the, in the, yeah. To get yeah. the, you know, the steam. In the bathroom. Is that yeah. a good idea? Yeah? I never heard this one actually. Yeah? Like I have my shower very close. Well, bathroom. probably this is the most uh, humid uh, area or room in your house. So yeah, why not? Maybe 
by uh, by a, a measuring tool. This is this is very uh, yeah. for me. It's important. I have two of three, I think, in my workshop. What is a good humidity like level? Humidity. Uh, for me, it depends on what I'm doing. Uh, it's gluing or, or whatever. But I think normal humidity, I, it's around 60, 65, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that's a really good advice to buy one. Yeah. Then yeah. Know. Then you know. And, or you can, yeah, some boxes have it have it in, in, in there. I don't know. Yeah, not shallow boxes. Not shallow. Yeah, and actually, yeah, not shallow boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Discriminated? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, I was also thinking, like, when they crack, uh, yeah, because in Sweden, it's super dry. Yes. Like winter, of course. Super dry. Yeah. Like, like here, it's nothing. My shoulder was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah! <laughs> And so, like, there is super, super dry. Yeah, always. And then you have, like, a cold and warm all the time. Yeah, because you, yeah, you go inside, you go outside, yeah. yeah. So it's really important. I think also, you, I think a good case, uh, maybe you have these isolated, isolated cases of BAM, I think. Um, yeah, if you, if you experience the, the heat and, and cold uh, thing, you, you have to have it. Is it good to like, keep the instrument in the room or should you always pack it down? What do you think about that? I don't know. No, I don't have an opinion on this. No. But it's the same. It's, uh, and also, also a big thing is when you're traveling, traveling a lot and you come into these hotels with a nice airco, this is also a big problem mm -hmm. because this is really dry yeah. it's most of the time it's 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 very dry and okay. yeah so don't only look to the weather but also uh think of it i'm in a in a room with ergo I use a humidifier do it when i fly with it i always put the humidity yeah. there because i don't know about the, you know you always feel like so dry after flying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah it's true i, know, I think I it's quite dry in, a, in an airplane actually yeah. yeah i think so you know when you're up that high up you never know yeah and it's airco so. so that's really good tips actually so we have to clean the shallow with the just with the dry cloth the violin yeah. as well also yes i was thinking about the shoulder holder with the violin it's very important to not have them anymore do you as an instrument maker think about that i don't bother too much no, it, no i mean yeah. i don't know very much about this because it's something which is up to the musician up to the musician yeah. it's very personal i i see mm -hmm. some use them some just use use a, a cloth yeah i've seen people putting sponges yeah. between yeah. <laughs> those yeah. things like yeah my friends, yeah. Like yeah it's something yeah so it's lately i saw it and and then actually it's uh, well we started people started using the the the, the shoulder rests mm -hmm. to don't touch the, the the varnish of the back actually yeah. to pre preserve the varnish of the back and now we seem to coming back but people are using the sponges and <laughs> the varnish gets rubbed off but this is a uh, yeah i don't care it's yeah. uh, it's i was like talking with a guitarist and he said that when he looks for an instrument the most important thing for him is that he can play on it like that is comfortable to play on and how do you think about that when you make a cello? Because, I mean, it isn't the most ergonomic instrument. Even no. the violin is not yeah. the viola. Because the it's viola, true. you want to make it as big as possible. But yeah, for the sound. Yeah. And then uh, and actually as, as small as possible for playing. Yeah. So, yeah, this is... Well, I think a neck is very important. Like the, how the... Yeah, the neck. How the shape of the neck is, especially on a violin. On a cello, it's less sensitive to, to the shape. But like everybody knows, a thick neck is not comfortable if you're playing and it's thick and it's heavy and it's, uh, it doesn't work very well. So a lot of people, I spend a lot of effort in making my necks very, very comfortable actually. And, and a lot of musicians, they, they, they immediately feel it when they start playing. They say like, oh, this is a very comfortable uh, neck. So it helps.
helps. It gives a, a comfortable feeling uh, when they start playing. The model, the model is what it is. Uh, last, I, I had a musician here which um, was trying one of my cellos and actually she was quite small and, and, and small legs and it, she was already a, a bit older and, and it, it was a problem for her to play to yeah. play my, my model. Not that it's so extreme, it's it's uh, a normal a normal cello, but yeah, what can you say? Then then yeah. then you should say yeah yeah then you should play on a on maybe yeah, a, a strat model which is smaller, which is not smaller but um, less wide, or or you have yeah different kind of models, but, but yeah or, or seven eight. Yeah, yeah. Why not? If, if I have uh, friends who play something yeah. because they are very short. Yeah, yeah. So they were, they were like always injured in their hands. Yeah, so they have yeah. to like. Uh, I think this is something as a musician you yeah you have to learn to to how your body works or, or what's comfortable for you a big market for smaller cellos you think there are, so there are okay. small people playing for some reason yeah people wants to play big oh, instruments okay <laughs> i think like, it's compensating yeah, but it's like, also in sweden like i want to be a bassist and they are like yeah quite sure yeah it's not a lot yeah. of people want to be a bassist <laughs> yeah then then you have to, you come in yeah so i think no. maybe but i i just know because when they found a, a good instrument that was small they were like you know just fighting over it <laughs> yeah 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 but, okay and i was like okay uh, but then also like when i went to germany and i saw like all these big stars like uh, jens peter mays you know he's yes huge he's like two meter yeah and his hands i'm like <laughs> I see that you don't have a problem, doctor. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. He's like yeah. Paganini on the show, and I'm like, okay. yeah. yeah, you know, they are huge, and the yeah. hands are huge, so I'm like, it must be super hard to make shallows. Because people are so different. Are different, yeah, it's true. And yeah, like like I say, like not every cello is for every cellist. And, and I mean, Dutch people are very uh, tall as well. Yeah, they're quite... I feel yeah. short when I'm in Amsterdam. <laughs> okay. I'm on 75 <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, okay. Yeah. But then when you go like uh, to Liège, where I study, everyone yeah. is very short. Like, yeah. Because it was yeah. on Italian uh, infusion. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, fine, that's... Yeah, uh, could be. Yeah. So they are a bit shorter. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, then you have to think differently. But, yeah. Uh, it's something... Actually, it's something... I never spend a lot of time thinking about this. Okay. It's yeah. I always was thinking to to develop my model for the sound, mm -hmm. uh, to have a good sounding instrument. It would be the best combination if they could marry, you know, the sound and the comfortable playing. Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, if it if an instrument is good for your body, more people will naturally play on it. I mean, yeah, it's true. Uh, so yeah. many people have so many problems yeah. with their body. Yeah. I mean, the natural solution would be to train, but how many musicians does that? Yeah, it's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. And switching instrument is not something you, you do. Yeah, but it's, it's also I saw some shallies, They changed the uh, the pack. Screws. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the base. Yes, screws. it's true. So you, today we have uh, pegs which you can take off. Yeah. Like the. Yeah. The, the big ornament on there you can take off and and this helps if you, if you like it then yeah. you don't have the peg in your ear yeah, so uh, yeah. Yeah. so it can help these kind these small things can can help yeah yeah and do you also like have those options on your shelves well yeah yeah, yeah. if somebody would ask it yeah why not well it has to be of high quality <laughs> because you also, I was thinking of, you also have these, these pegs on violin. I, I don't know if, yeah, they're on cello. They have it for cello too. And it's when you turn on it, it's with a fine tuner inside, yeah. you know, so, so you, you have no fine tuners anymore on the, on the tailpiece, but they're inside the peg itself. So yeah. if you turn one time 
on the outside, it turns 10 times on the inside. Yeah. I don't know how, what the ratio is, but it's something like this. And, and I never found, but probably today they will, they will be there, but I never found a high quality pack like this. They were from Whitner and it was from plastic or some cheap uh, factory made thing. So, and this I w would not put on my instrument. Okay. It's, yeah, I don't make this compromise. So we uh, want people to make better of this or don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also thinking about the end pin because I yeah. like this. Yeah, you have a lot yeah. And they are always exploring with new end pins. Yes. So what's your preference on end pins? Uh, on end pins, actually a good made end pin, um, the first thing what I'm concerned about is that it doesn't rattle. <laughs> so and that, that you have then the, the lock mechanism is tight. So this is very important to me because it's when it's sliding or when it's making sounds or when you're playing and it's always makes yeah. this this uh, noises people get annoyed so this is my first thing this goes together with a high quality end pin then today i use these end pins i don't know they're from bender i use the bender end pins and they don't have the the screw on the side anymore but they are locking when you turn on the in the middle, in the middle. Yeah. yeah and it's the how it clamps the 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 pin itself it's, it's in a more efficient, better way. So that's why I like to use them. And they're beautiful. So yeah. And then you have the rods. You have uh, carbon, you have metal, you have uh, titanium, you have all these kind of things. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I never... Seen it also. Yeah, and, and the, the thing with holes in it, I have to be honest, I never made experiments with it. Mm -hmm. It's something... I've not uh, come to yet. Like the companies who make this end pin must be like all over the instrument makers to put them on the shelves. Uh, well, yeah, you see them, but they're not all over. <laughs> no, no, it's it's sometimes you see this. I don't know. I think they they try to go more to the musicians. Okay. To yeah. get to to find some really influence influencing musicians and and playing this this end pin, mm -hmm. and then of course people start thinking like, oh yeah, this guy is playing. Uh, Everyone is playing yes. Yeah. Yes. But there is this, this end pin with the holes in yeah. and there is some truth in it yeah. because I, I heard a, a sound adjustment with it and yeah, I was a bit surprised that there is a change. But some of them are really expensive also. They're really expensive, but okay. Yeah. Could buy a really nice bow for that now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. But yeah, it's something you have to decide if, if, if it is worth it yeah. or, or not. No. But it is amazing, like the end pin... It makes difference. I'm, I mean, I, I have carbon fiber. Yeah. So it's just lighter, so you don't have to have some heavy stuff walking around. Yeah, it's true. Uh, so I just like it, but for me, a good end pin is when you can feel the vibrations through the floor, you know? Yeah, it's like yeah this is, room. I wanted to say this, it's, it's your contact point with the earth. It's, it's yeah. or the floor where you're sitting on It's, yeah, it, of course it has a, it has an influence, yeah. That's why all the shadows makes these holes in the floor. If you see, you can see where shadows been it's like okay it's a hole in floors <laughs> yes. that's why I put a wooden floor in my uh, workshop actually <laughs> so like okay let's give the chalice something to, to destroy yes <laughs> so moving forward I was thinking of bows so do you also make bows no I don't make bows it is something I really would like to to learn mm -hmm. because my when I see bow makers working it's something I know I would love to do mm -hmm. but it's a completely different world it's it's uh yeah, it's specialized. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. and also, it's uh, you have this one stick, and the stick. There's so much. I don't know. So much things in it to to let it work. Mm -hmm. It's. Uh, 
a small thing but so specialized yeah, yeah. it's crazy when uh, they love the bow extra much they put golden uh, what do you call it like? oh the wire, golden uh, wires or the or the yeah. go- golden uh, wrapping yeah i don't yeah. want those i really want <laughs> really nice. yeah and it's it's very important there eh, bow yeah, um, oh yeah this yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true but for me it was a discovery i think now five years ago because i was i was making instruments and then never was thinking about uh, bows actually and then i went to the to a, a course in in france it was and um, it was a course to to learn uh, restorating bows and adjusting bows and rehairing and, and all these kind of stuff and there uh, my my eyes opened let's say because we did a test with one cello more bows and and i could not believe how different the instrument was sounding with different bows it was the influence of an, of another bow was more than a, than than a sound post of a bridge, so it was an eye opener. It was like whoa, so important, yeah. So maybe in the future that would be yeah yeah <laughs> if I find some time yeah why yeah, not <laughs> yes. The bows are very well. I, I like bows a lot, but I mean I always uh, compare choosing a shallow and a bow. Uh, You've seen Harry Potter, right? Yes. Like you walk into all the wonder. It's like the same feeling I get when I walk into the atelier. Like, I'm like, oh my God, there's some magic going on. Yes. It's like, it's like the shallow shoes you, you know, that's the feeling. Yeah. You know what yeah. you know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Shallow. yeah. Like for me, I tested so many expensive shallows and I was like, yeah, they're very nice, very nice. Very nice. But this shallow I really felt yeah. more like. Yeah, voila. Yeah. And I, I chose it and I bought it on spot and everyone was like wow. no you have to try it for like six months and I'm like, well you know you know yeah yeah it's true yeah, same yeah. with my bow but maybe I'm a mad person because maybe all the people think I'm crazy because I, I choose when I choose and yeah. they want it but I, I think it, it just you probably you're a very uh, yeah not grown up but a very confident person you know what you want uh, and this is I think it's very good to have this because I see a lot of, of musicians of course searching for instruments and when you I know it immediately when when I see somebody playing on an instrument or, or just talking with a musician when they're not when they're not sure they want to buy or they they are not sure of themselves like what they want mm-hmm. you can see it immediately and I know they will not buy they will for sure they will not buy and the next 20 instruments they will also not buy mm-hmm. because I think it's a decision in your in your mind which you have to make and um, you have to know and you have to know who you are and you have to know what you want and and then you can buy something and, and be comfortable with it yeah. and then you can buy it on a spot yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah I know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that but I had friends who looked for two years or three years for shallows and they, they were like still like hmm I don't know and I'm like oh my god you spy something <laughs> I'm like I chose one uh, yes <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do and it's like but then I thought maybe I was super lucky finally maybe I was like super super lucky and I spy well it's it's uh, everything together I think but uh, I had yeah. one friend who stole our teacher's instrument because he had like he didn't stole it he bought it but it was uh, our teacher lent it to him and it was a copy of a very expensive okay. instrument and it was still expensive instrument yeah. but it was not millions and millions and then in the end the teacher was like yeah you know I know you love that cello you buy it you know because <laughs> I would buy another one now <laughs> my teacher had the original yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah and then he had bought a copy for himself oh, yeah yeah, of course. But, yeah. I mean, uh, so it's just, I mean, if it's a good fit. 
Yeah. Why stand in the way? Yeah, it's true. So how do you find people to buy your instrument? Well, the most comfortable way is when they find me. Yeah. <laughs> That's, then you uh, then you don't have to spend. Well, yeah, it's. I think it's very important. So this this I, we're so lucky in this this uh, area area where era where we where we live in, with the social media. It's it's not everything because you have to be you have to see musicians, you have to be on concerts, you have to do um, expo expositions and, and whatever. But the social media is is yeah you you'll be there you'll be out there every day. Mm. It's it wasn't possible in the 20 years ago. You were making here in the in the workshop and uh, well I was not making 20 years ago, but other violin makers they were working in the workshop and and the, you literally had no contact when there was no nobody in your workshop. There was nobody hearing from you. So yeah, and I can already say like you're here because of social media. So yeah, <laughs> that's why. And and otherwise we wouldn't we yeah we wouldn't met each other. So uh, and it's it's with musicians the same. So yeah, this is it's really important. And most I have to say like. I can say maybe yeah no yeah one or two sales come from I can I can relate to to social media contacts I made but most of the of the instruments I I sell is is it still is like a mouth-to-mouth um, advertisement. It's, it's uh, somebody's playing my instrument and says like, "Oh, really? This is a good instrument made by Anton Somers. Go go uh, go there and and try try one of his instruments." And and this really works because then. I think it's more trust, trustful. Yeah. Uh, people get more, have instantly more trust um, in your product when when the teacher or another musician tells tells them that it's a good a good uh, product. Yeah. I always have like a lot. I don't have a lot, but I had some instrument makers contacting me asking me to try their instruments, like me yes. and my teacher or me and my cello class that we had in the conservatorium. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, okay. Why do you want me to try your show? But I understand, like, okay, it was because they wanted to show uh, their project and see how it uh, meshes to the demand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's something I do also. I have my uh, my contacts and I know musicians. First of all, when you make an instrument and it's not on, and it's not it's not sold yet, so you have the instrument, it has to be played. Also for me, I'm not a musician myself, so I have to hear the instrument. I have to... So I have a few musicians where I work together with, which... Mm-hmm. I also we have, we have a good relationship. I can when they say something about the cello or the, the violin or whatever, we understand each other, and that's the feedback is 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 really important to to know if it worked what you've done or for the sound adjust, adjustment to to see uh, how it's developing. So and then then you have the thing like sometimes sometimes I contact a musician which I never saw before, which I know it's a good musician, and I say like yeah, do you want to try my instrument? And this has two reasons: it's just to make a new contact show your product most of the time i know they're not gonna buy it because they have a good instrument but you've been out there you showed yourself and they maybe they will say to to somebody else like hey i played on the on a summer's instrument and it sounds really great um and this is why you put your instruments in people's people's hands yeah is also research for you like seeing what they think so you can like, yeah okay, yeah now it sounds like this when this person is playing yeah yeah it's true and then yeah it's i think it's very it's it's very important i learned a lot with this and uh, musicians giving feedback i think it's the most important thing actually is yeah. because you can making and and you have two different things in making you have of course the instrument the beauty of the instrument 
but it's completely uh, apart from the sound of the instrument. Well, I'm, I, I hope it goes together in my instruments, but you can have a really badly made cello, which sounds amazing. Um, so, yeah. This, uh, yeah, you have to search always. You, yeah, you have to search. And, um, and this, yeah, the f that's why the feedback on, on, on the instruments, is, it's so important to understand what sound is yeah. and what to, what to do actually, what, what to, how to develop the sound in, in working on the workbench and in, in making the instruments. There's also competitions for violin makers. I yes. Uh, I was like, wow, <laughs> playing the instrument, but not playing it. So how does yes. the competition work? Like, do you bring your own musician or? No, 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 no. You, ha you have a jury. So you have uh, the jury and you it's divided in people who are um, um, doing the, the jury on the on the making mm -hmm. and you have musicians so most of the time it's like this it's first you get the making you get points on on the on the, on the making of the instrument and when it's good enough when you have a certain amount of points mm -hmm. it goes on to the sound uh, test oh. so and then the musicians do their because what they don't want in, in competitions is that these badly made instruments which sound great yeah. win because then it would not count or it would not be yeah it's it would not support the profession it's true so you would get uh, surprising uh, <laughs> results so uh, yeah that's how it works yeah yeah but this uh, i don't know but like uh, larson strings for example when they made their strings it was a mistake which turned out to be a very good mistake so okay i'm also like a little bit like inspired of sometimes your greatest mistake can be your greatest idea yeah like when you play jazz jazz fans are always like this yeah yeah, yeah. They're always like to send people yeah that like no maybe it would be your best idea yeah yeah, yeah. your biggest mistake yeah. but instrument making is like the opposite <laughs> well the thing is we you try to know before that the instrument will be good mm -hmm. and taking risks it's a big risk because you're building three months on one cello and and just taking a risk is some you take small risks mm -hmm. let's say you take small steps yeah. to develop a model uh, or to and it, it takes years and and taking a big risk can yeah it can deliver a bad instrument yeah. and then yeah you yeah, can spend you spend uh, yeah. three months and, uh, and a, uh, yeah, a lot of labor and, and some precious woods for nothing so i don't think a lot of people are doing this actually but that's also the reason i think why violin making is very conservative yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's still the same as, as 300 years ago so maybe it's also because i mean then it would be like if someone would support you like a scientist because scientists yeah. they can fail also you know but they still get paid yeah <laughs> but they still wouldn't get paid if it made not if you're not if you're uh, self-employed no maybe that should be something like to research like a fund like a research. <laughs> yeah yeah it could be or a good insurance <laughs> yeah, i mean it could be interesting yeah just for the process i mean when you're a student you're kind of doing this like you're yeah then you have time and and or if if you're i've done a lot actually developing my 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 skills when i was working in in a, in a workshop in Brussels but then next to next to what I was doing at home mm -hmm. uh, because there I could be free yeah. I could do what I want I could uh, develop uh, especially my varnish actually because where I was working I hadn't had uh, I had not the access to to the varnish or, or the, the the pigments and whatever uh, it was all kept uh, secret so but this encouraged me to to develop and to search for this actually and it really costs me costed me a lot of money to to have what I have now it's all the products all the experiments all everything everything and it's yeah that's taking a risk 
but so maybe an uh, advice for an instrument maker is to take small risk uh, at the right time instead yeah. of taking yeah. big ones at yeah. the wrong time. Yeah, it's yeah. Because that's what it is. Taking a little bit of risk maybe is essential to uh, like develop because otherwise to develop and to to develop uh, something different than than everybody else. Yeah, that's it. And um, you also said that you uh, have students, so you're a teacher at the school. Yes, uh, yes, it's, uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing this, well, it's really nice. I'm doing it uh, part-time, yeah, that's the right word, part-time. And I really love it. I got a chance. They asked me like, hey, do do you want to start teaching in in the school? It's the same school where I've been. I immediately say yes, because... uh, yeah, it's it's something you have these young people uh, which are so motivated. It's of course if you choose to to study violin making, it's not something you do to yeah if you don't know what you're doing or what you want to do. So uh, they're so motivated, and it really helps me to. Um, to develop also, uh, to uh, evolve, let's say. Mm-hmm. It's uh, those those students, They every day they ask you thousands of questions. Mm-hmm. So you, you're really, you you have to think think about things and you have to think like, why am I doing this? And, and why, why does it look like it looks? And then you have to not only know it for yourself, but you have to explain it. And, and this is so important in, in, um, in, in, yeah, in teaching for sure. And, but also for myself. Yeah. yeah it's, you have uh, to re, uh, remake your whole yeah. Like, uh, yeah, attitude. Yeah, it's true. And, and the nice thing is when there's, when there is a collaboration in, in between a student and, and yourself, like, so, some students they know more about the things than, than me some students of me are are musicians themselves they don't conservatoire conservatory and and um so they they and then when they start learning about the making they can make connections which i never saw or or because they can because they they're from both worlds yeah. and another one like uh, studying was a chemist mm. uh, so yeah that's very nice he can explain me things in in varnish or in products mm-hmm. which i never could explain because i yeah. i'm not so so these kind of relations are so interesting yeah, yeah. it's also then all of uh, the guys can learn from each other yeah yeah the the, the whole environment in the school is is really inspiring it's it's so nice when i when i go in there to teach it's it doesn't feel like working i i actually i'm uh, how you say i'm loading up my my battery or how to say it's uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. and you teach uh, what kind of uh, subject do you teach violin making yeah. the practical thing so it's a practical yeah just uh, and of course it's not only when we are teaching the practical it's also theory which comes together you cannot do the two apart so um how do you choose people to come and study there? Do you have to do an entrance exam? So? No, in our school, everybody can enter. Yeah. Uh, so you, I, I know the school in Germany, you have to do an exam and, and they choose. But um, yeah, in our school, it's not. It's just, it's a choice. And I think it's, it's not a bad choice because sometimes you see these students which enter and you think like the first two weeks like mm, he's gonna or she is gonna have a, a really hard time to to become a violin maker and then you see them develop and first you wouldn't give them a chance like mm. and then after one year you, you say like oh wow what what happens and then they they make this evolution and they become a good a good violin maker yeah. i think this is a very important with young people especially yes because they have yeah. this potential of growing up and yeah yeah so much potential yeah and it goes so quick you get it's, yeah. it's incredible sometimes 
sometimes it doesn't work of course some people you, you yeah then i'm also honest I, I i say them like because it's so it's a hard profession to to working it's not some no not everybody can can work in this can work in a workshop or can start his own business so then i'm also honest but uh, the other way is, is very nice to see well it's as hard as being a musician it's just a, another angle on it yeah yeah i told like my uh, my friends like it must be the same because you're always trying to become better and better and it never ends and you it's always a matter of opinions yes you never say like this is the best one because there was always be someone disagree because someone has another opinion yeah yeah it's all about yeah. opinions it's very hard to like scientific say that this is the best and this is yeah. not good you know like it's just yeah it's opinion that's then then we come back to the to the competition in violin making it's it's when when you have the the ah, let's say the last 20 instruments of the of the of the whole competition what's what's the difference i spoke to the jury on the, in the last cremona um, competition <laughs> sorry forgot the word in the, in the, it was this year and uh, yeah, they also say like, yeah, now we have to choose a winner and then you have 20 perfect, uh, uh, astounding instruments and and then, uh, yeah, there has to be a winner. And it's about opinion. It's yeah. the one likes this and the other one likes likes the other one. But quality is, is, so, is there, yeah. Is it harder to do violins than to do cello? In the making, yeah. you mean? Uh, no, no, it's, it's the same. completely the same. Yeah. Um, and when you students, like when I was small, there was only like, I always saw a lot of men in this profession and not so many women, but now I'm seeing this. Yeah, I think it's, uh, there is not a little bit, I think there is a big change. It's, uh, yeah. For instance, uh, next year in school, we have uh, an, most of the new students will be, uh, will be women. I don't know if it's a trend, but I think so. I, if if I see to the school in France, it's well, they have to fight to get a uh, a guy inside. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. In the school of Italy, there's a lot of, of women too. I think, I mean, in generally, the scientists, the future scientists, they say that there's more women going to the universities. Okay. More women are uh, educating than men, and it's going to be a problem in like 15 years because then we're going to have all the women educated and no no men educated. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe it maybe it's a good thing. Maybe then there will be a change. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, equality is always good when it's like 50-50, but it seems like now it's going to be like only women. I'm like, okay. So yeah, we will see that. We're going to start quoting men. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we have to have men in the world. <laughs> well, let's see let's i hope we experience it and then we can make up maybe it's better yeah yeah it's interesting <laughs> and how does the different schools of uh, violin making differ because like there's the french school there is the belgian one yeah German. yeah you, um, i think of course there are differences but the, the, the big difference is who is teaching mm. i think that's the main thing i know it's not a style yeah a little bit i know like in germany they have a, a, a a certain style of, of how they make the instruments and it's a little bit apart than than what all, all the rest actually is doing which is uh, teaching the the Italian classic Italian way of building it's I'm not too uh, familiar with, with what they are doing I know a few things which are very typical mm -hmm. for this for this school <laughs> it's um, they for, for they have a certain way of, of varnishing which you can recognize yeah. and it doesn't relate to what we know today as a uh, classic uh, Italian uh, varnish they think it is <laughs> but and it's it's always been like this and the, the, they are very conservative this German school and, and it will 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really conservative, <laughs> and they, and they will not change it, <laughs> which is I think maybe it's it's not bad because yeah, it's it's what it is, and and when you go there to study, you know what 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 you get. Yeah. It's a good, it's a perfect good school. It's it's really good actually. All schools to these days, I think, today violin making is in such a high level. Mm. It never was in uh, in such a high level. Um, the schools are perfect. I, I don't, I, I can't say any any school which is not good. That's so. nice. And I think like what I saw is like the bridge is different when you have like Belgian bridge. Oh yeah. Like this more history. Yeah, this, this is is different in, in style, and it's actually. Personally, I don't know why it calls a Belgian bridge. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, you would. You should think. You, I, I would also think this, but I should actually look look up for this. Yes. Yes. It gives. A, no, but this is is different in style. And and what I do with my cellos most of the time, I make uh, the two. I make, or sometimes even three. I make a, a Belgian bridge, a French bridge, <laughs> and uh, some hybrid uh, type of bridge. It's worth it to do, I find, because. Um, it gives it shows you different uh, possibilities in the in the cello and also it's also related to to what the musician likes yeah. or what he what he or she uh, plays the most uh, if you have a chamber muses or, or you have a soloist it's a completely different story yeah. so um, and what about five strings cello because i saw a lot of like trends coming up now because people are beginning to play more jazz on the cello yes i i, I don't know i think i'm too classic cl yeah. classic for the i do you wanna do I, I, I never say never, but I really. I and I've seen them. I've seen them, but I never say never that I would make them. Yeah, if I if I got the if I got asked to do it, I would uh, consider it. Yeah, yeah, why not? This is very hard because I mean, when you have the five string string, it's always hard with the bow because the strings are too close. Yes, yes, and you have the. Then you are playing in two strings. Yeah, it's a little bit of a technical um, yeah. challenge, um, but I think it, it it can be solved. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. That's. A <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I was complaining to the violin maker, like, it's too close, we cannot play this uh, yeah, yeah. here. And yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's very difficult. It's like, yeah. Yeah, because he has I to make him. I cannot play the way I want. <laughs> yeah, probably you sh should have made a new bridge, which is a lot of work. And that's yeah, why you say, like, uh. <laughs> Like different bridge, yeah, okay. Bridges, yeah. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, you pl you're playing on a five uh, string no, or no, okay? No, 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 but I only like go on these kind of festivals where they yeah, okay. there's like yeah. ten of them and they okay. offer you instruments. To yeah. Try. But I mean, they did it on the bur on the previous uh, cello. Yes, on the cello, but like the one before the cello, like yeah, on the on the bassos and the yeah, yeah. yeah. The bassos, they they that. One. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. But there you play only in the. Oh, I didn't even play so high. Yeah. yeah so we have to think. <laughs> from the moment you get solistic the closer you get to to yeah. um, to the bridge yeah and the people who are like the one yeah. that you have in the baroque yeah we have to think about this it would be awesome to have like one more deep string yeah yeah but we'll see what happens with the shallow and the violins in the future yeah okay i have some uh, last questions so i want you to give um advice to someone who wants to be an uh, instrument builder from scratch, like someone who feels out there like, I want to be an instrument builder. Uh, find yourself a good school. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if it's not in your, uh, in your hometown, if it's not in your country even, travel <laughs> move to Belgium yeah <laughs> move to Antwerp there's a very nice school <laughs> um, no but yeah can be any school like I said uh, all schools uh, are fine these days but very important feel comfortable in the school where you're at because that's where it starts uh, that's where you 
need to find the love for the profession, yeah. which has to be very, very big, your love for, for uh, violin making, because there is a lot of challenges uh, in this to, to master the, the art of, uh, of violin making. So that's, that's find you a good school, be the, be the best one in your school, yeah. <laughs> uh, just do everything to, to, to make it through. Mm-hmm. Very important, what I say to my students is when they are, when they are just do their thing in the lessons and, and I, I noticed or I feel that they are not doing a lot next to school or, or they, they when at the evening or, or in weekend, they are completely not busy with, with violin making. I just say them like, why I ask them, why, why are you not doing it? Because for me, it's something like maybe it's not passionate uh, enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying like you have to, because I understand people have different uh, interests. And my, me, myself, I have loads of other things. I'm, I'm hunting. I, I, I've made surfboards. I was surfing a lot. I restored airplanes. Uh, I've done a whole, whole bunch of, of things in my uh, career so far so all these side paths they help me mm. at, at what I am now but but I always was passionate about violin making and searching for answers and, and looking today on the internet in, in my day I was buying books and when I see people not doing this I ask them why mm. like uh, just to feel like maybe there is not enough love you know uh, so this is very important do something more that people ask to do in school like like try to this is also like you have to teach yourself Yes, very important. It's not only like the, t- the school's responsibility yeah. to make you yeah. good. If you if you have a question like how is this, how is this, mm-hmm. buy books, look on the internet, uh, call a violin maker, or whatever, just do it. And yeah. Normally, you get the nice answers. So <laughs> be curious. Yeah, be curious. That's actually yeah, that's that's a good uh, good sentence. That's that's also very important. And then find yourself a nice workshop to to work mm-hmm. in. Don't come out of school and think like oh now I'm the violin maker. I have my own workshop because you will run onto a wall which is much thicker than you can than you can ever break. So go go to uh, find yourself a job. Don't be scared of traveling if you have to work in uh, in the US or in Japan or <laughs> whatever. If you want to be a violin maker, yeah, there are no ba- boundaries anymore. So um, when you end up in a workshop and you don't like it, and this is a very important one, you don't like to be there. It could be that the environment is not what you want. could be that you don't have a good relation with your boss. Uh, just run away. <laughs> I mean, in a polite way, of course. <laughs> but uh, Just explain it to your boss and then say like, yeah, it's not for me. And maybe even he can put you in, a, in, in somebody else's workshop. Yeah. But yeah, the, mo- the most important thing is you have to feel comfortable. Just because it's it asks so much of you to become a violin maker that you have to search a comfortable way to 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 get there. And then when you feel yeah, when you feel yourself um, sure enough, you can start your own workshop if this is what you want, uh, because not everybody has the ambition to to run a run a workshop. Yeah. It's because then the, then yeah, there's a whole lot of yeah. <laughs> work which which is not. Uh, uh, you have to be a businessman. Yeah, you have to be a businessman, and you have to like this too, too, because otherwise you it will not work. Do you have an uh, advice for like your fellow makers out there, like your colleagues? Well. An advice. Well, <laughs> it feels a little bit pretentious, too. <laughs> 
like, well, this is super nice or just I, the people what I which I like are the people which are open which are very friendly which are um, sharing knowledge which um, are spontaneous uh, those are the people our colleagues which I which I love the best and sharing is caring sharing is caring and, and it, it's really true and it is so it's so important in our profession and the, lately I have met one of the the makers that I was uh, really looking up to and it's uh, Christian Bayon in mm -hmm. in, um, in Portugal and I've met him just a few weeks ago and, and we, of course we had contact on the on the socials and uh, I've met him and he was so he was spontaneous and 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 like he welcomed me like I'm a lot a younger maker and he already has a big career and and whatever but we were talking and and he was yeah telling giving me advice on on how to build a career and 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 this is what I like so much it's it's yeah it's completely different than people are scared of telling something too much because then oh, you know the guy can become better than me and this i hate it really much yeah, than than i really get the the shivers if i yeah i yeah. think it's a bit weird because i mean you are making and a very personal instrument and no one can be better at being Anton Sommers than you so who can compete yes. with that I mean how can you compete between each other when you are the best version of yourself it's true and this this counts for when you're working on a own style but a lot, lot of people are just are making copies mm. and they try to be the best copyist of Strat or the best copyist of Del Gesù and then you have a lot of secrets to to how to make this or how to to make it old or how to uh, and these are tiny things which can give you an advantage onto the other on the, onto the other one so I can I can understand this but even then even then it's it's I don't know I don't like it's, good it's not helping the the well, profession. You have yeah. an idol like you have, like you yeah. have someone that you yeah. are looking up to and that can inspire you. Yeah, it's very, very important, yeah. And if someone out there feels like, oh my God, this sounds super interesting, uh, how can I find your shallows? How can they contact you if someone is like, well, you read by uh, <laughs> very intrigued by your shallows and want to try them. Well, you um, just send me an email, uh, give me a call. It's uh, AntonSommers.com. Yes, yes, I have a website, so there you can find everything and uh, and a Facebook, yeah, and Instagram. Yes, and uh, my Instagram Instagram account is also I uh, I like to show a lot of things to people to get them interested, and um, yeah, just yeah, give me a call and I will I will yeah. gladly gladly help you show an instrument here i not always have instruments available like now i don't have a cello which is good for me actually because it means that, it's, that I, but um, but i can always show a guide you to a musician who is playing or right no. and uh, then we'll see if he has something in stock <laughs> if it is not sold out <laughs> voila yeah uh, thank you so much for being here and for inviting me to you beautiful workshop <laughs> thank you you're welcome we learned so much <laughs> me too Mom.